Well, Jesus, we love you, and I thank you, Lord. The spirit of wisdom and revelation coming to rest upon us this morning. Lord, I stand in weakness, needing you to hold my hand. So, Lord, I'm asking for grace to proclaim the word of the Lord. Lord, I pray that it would come across with clarity. It would rest with power upon us. We would receive the engrafted word, which is able to save our souls. It's able to transform our soul. So now, Lord, I pray the understanding of the glory of the Lord and being carriers of that very glory would rest upon this house. I pray it would go deep into us. Lord, as we consider familiar thoughts, I pray that they would have life and light on them this morning, piercing and penetrating us. Now come, Spirit of God, come rest. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. The glory of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Lord, we are believing as a people for the glory of the Lord to infiltrate our community and to infiltrate this city for power and intimacy and light to be ours in this day. Lord, we love you. We thank you for everything you've done, everything you're doing. We're asking even greater, even now, come even more powerfully now. Good. In the name of Jesus, everybody said amen. We are on part three of a series we've been doing on the glory of the Lord. And this morning I want to talk about being carriers of glory. Carriers of glory. And uh, I want, I've uh, touched some of these thoughts in previous days. But uh, the more I look at them, the more I realize, man, I am not connected at the heart level to so many of these truths, and uh, we need this. We need to hear this over and over and over so we understand what it is that God's given us uh, in, in the new covenant, what this actually is. And so uh, I want to read a few verses this morning. You're in Romans 6, so just hang there. I want to read Romans eight eleven to you, and then we'll look at Romans 6, and we'll just start on a journey over this issue of the glory of the Lord indwelling humans. The glory of the Lord indwelling humans. Now, we spent the last couple weeks talking about the glory. We talked last week about Moses and his encounters with the glory of the Lord and the covenant that the Lord made with Moses in Exodus 34.10. He said, I'm making a covenant with you, Moses, a covenant of marvels. And I believe it's because Moses approached the issue of the power of God in his heart. Really, he wasn't wanting more ministry. He wasn't wanting more... Uh, cool stuff. He was wanting intimacy. And from that place, the Lord said, you'll get intimacy, but you're going to get so much more. And I, I don't know, several were here last weekend uh, in the morning, and then, but you know, last evening. How many were here last Sunday night? Let me just see you. So just a handful. So I'll just explain. Last Sunday night, we preached this message on the glory of the Lord, and we talked about the covenant that, Lord, that the Lord made with Moses and uh, people begin to answer the altar call. There was no altar call. People begin to just come spontaneously to the altar and, and, and get prostrate before the Lord. And the presence of the Lord was rich. 
And uh, Jen McIntyre comes up, and, and I'm on my knees here up on the platform, and she taps on, her, on me, and she says, hey, listen. She goes, I don't know what this is, but there are double rainbows over the house of prayer right now. And uh, so, you know, several people, you know, go out to the parking lot, and literally, I just got finished preaching this message on the glory of the Lord and the covenant that God made with Moses and people like literally, there's, you know, I don't know, 25 or 50 people out in the parking lot and they're freaking out because there are two rainbows over the top of the house of prayer. And it's 845, but it's like bright daylight. And uh, it was really interesting. And I had a couple of people email me the rainbows and it was, it was powerful for me personally because I felt like the Lord was speaking to me personally through that. But it was really cool. I like that. It's like that, that one time I was preaching on rain, and the next thing you know, it was raining so stinking hard that you couldn't even hear me speak. It was last summer, I think. But um, anyway, I think the Lord is, I feel, you know, I just feel like we're getting set up. Just getting set up for something, you know? I feel like the Lord's, you know, a little sleight of hand trick. Hey, look at that. You know what I mean? I just feel like he's really getting ready to do something to us. So it's good. All right, Romans 8.11. Let me just read it. You're in Romans 6. Let me read Romans 8.11. It says, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, if He dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. If you read Romans 8, He tries to emphasize over and over and over and over that the Spirit of the Lord is inside believers. The Spirit of the Lord is inside believers. And if He's inside you, He's, he's causing life to come to your mortal body. And the thing that I'm looking at, particularly looking at, is that the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus, is inside of you. The life-giving spirit, the spirit that came when Jesus was in the tomb and the glory of the Lord that came upon Christ that caused him to be raised from the dead, the Holy Spirit dwelling in humans. And then Romans 6, verse 4, it says this. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so we also should walk in newness of life. The glory of the Father is what raised Jesus by the Holy Spirit. So if we can get a picture of it, what happened was this. Jesus is in the tomb. The Holy Spirit comes into the tomb and manifests the very glory that Moses saw in that tomb. And a supernatural activity happens and and, and the Spirit of God causes Jesus to be loosed from the hold of death and, and Hades. And when Jesus is loosed by the Spirit of the Lord from death and Hades, he takes the keys of death and Hades. He takes the keys. He's actually given triumph over it. He gets ascendancy over it. And the glory of God that breaks out in that tomb 
causes Jesus, who's dead, he's been battered, beaten, bludgeoned, completely dead, to come back to life. His spirit enters him, and he is raised. That's powerful right there. By the glory of the Lord. It wasn't just some sort of like, okay, one minute, and then the next minute. You know, one minute he's dead, the next minute, wow, he's alive, look at that. It was a power encounter that broke in upon that tomb. In fact, there was an earthquake that happened. And light and power. And Christ was infused with glory. And it says this, that just as Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so you and me should also walk in newness of life. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to give us a picture Jesus' resurrection is a picture of the newness of life that we're to walk in. And here's what we've done. We've made newness of life about getting saved. If you get saved, you're walking in newness of life. And we've let it stop there with the new birth. And the, the new, birth, new birth is marvelous. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's, it's an amazing phenomenon. I'm going to talk about it in a minute. But what we've done is we've short-circuited what the truth of the Scriptures actually say because it says, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we should too walk in newness of life. And we've made newness of life just about getting born again without any comprehension of the greater issues of what newness of life really is. And I want to say this, that newness of life doesn't end with salvation. Newness of life is a quality of life that those who understand that they have the glory of the Lord resident inside their spirit, that those who have that and they understand that, that they walk in all their days in this age. Newness of life is way more than coming down to the altar and getting your sins forgiven. Way more than that. Newness of life is walking with a comprehension of the glory of the Lord being resident within your spirit. But it doesn't even stop there. Newness of life ends in this age. I believe the highest measure of it is this. It's called filled with the fullness of God. And what that looks like is this, that your spirit, soul, and body are completely possessed, overflowing, fully whelmed with the very glory of the Lord. Until every action, every thought, every word, every, every deed are spirit-initiated and glory-doused. That's where we want to go. I am tired of living in the futility of my flesh. You know, put me on a two-day fast and you'll find out how much flesh I got. I mean, two days and I'm like, Rawr! I'm like, what happened to the man of God thing? I mean, it's all gone. And I, I want the version of newness of life that I'm possessed with glory. My emotions, every emotional movement of my soul is overrun with glory. Really, overrun. Because to me, newness of, if he's comparing newness of life with Jesus getting up out of the grave, then certainly newness of life isn't just about me getting born again. I mean, that's fantastic. But certainly it's far more than that. It's about resurrection 
continually being renewed. The Bible says our inner man is renewed day by day. Day by day. And that's not particularly talking about our spirit being renewed day by day. It's talking about our soul being renewed. Because once your spirit took on the Holy Spirit, it didn't have to be renewed again. Here's what happens in the new birth. When we realize that we have to repent of our sin, when we realize that sin has cursed us and doomed us, and we repent of our sin, we trust the blood of Jesus, we understand that we were dead in transgressions and sins, and we say, okay, I don't want sin anymore. I want Jesus. We turn away from that, and we turn towards the Lord. He forgives us, and he cleanses us, but here's what happens internally. Our spirit was dead because of transgressions and sin. Our spirit was dead. We're walk- I mean, we were walking, you know, mummies. We were like tombs. And the Holy Spirit comes inside of our spirit. Think about this one. The Holy Spirit comes inside of our spirit. And if you can deal with the language, he raises our spirit from the dead. And your spirit gets possessed with the Holy Spirit. That's what happens when you get born again. But it doesn't stop there. And I've come to grips with this. That I really, I really, really, I mean at the core level, I don't really believe that God the Holy Spirit is indwelling me. On a good day, maybe. You know, about 50% on a good day. But most days I get up and I, you know... The spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead is alive inside of you. He's quickening your mortal body. I mean, my mortal body doesn't feel mostly quickened. And because my feelings, I've put those in ascendancy over faith, I don't really believe the truth of this. And I think that we are a, a community. I, and I, you know, maybe you got it. High five to you. But I think we're a community that doesn't really get this. That God is inside. God is inside of you. God is inside of you. God. The God. Jesus said, the Father and I will come and we will make our abode in you. When you get born again, he comes and he lives in you. And I'm, I'm coming to grips with this. I no more believe that God's living in me then, I mean, I just really have not really grabbed that. I'm trying to grab it. I'm not rejecting it. But I want that to be living truth. I want to wake up every morning and go, yes, Holy Spirit. You're not some faraway God. You're here inside of me. See, sometimes we relegate the Holy Spirit to the, you know, sort of the little brother of the Trinity. He's not quite God the Father and he's not quite Jesus sort of third person, and if he does something dramatic, that's cool in a meeting. But he is God. He's as much God the Father. He's as much God as God the Son. He is God the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. It was the Holy Spirit that enabled Jesus to present himself to the throes of death. The Holy Spirit is the first manifestation of God that we see in creation. The Spirit hovering over the face of the deep. 
The Holy Spirit is as much God as every, as the other two uh, figures of the, of the Trinity. And God the Holy Spirit is inside of believers. And here is what is a crazy scripture. I want you to turn over to it. 1 Corinthians 6. Holy Spirit came within our spirit and raised our spirit from the dead. He didn't depart from our spirit and just leave us with a live spirit. He took residency within our spirit. But here's, here's the, I mean, just like, what are you doing, God, verse. 1 Corinthians six seventeen, He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. Say it again. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. With the Lord. One spirit. Your spirit is one spirit with the Holy Spirit. Your spirit is one spirit with the Holy Spirit. I mean, that is astounding. Holy Spirit resident within your spirit, fully possessing, giving life to your spirit. You have the life-giving force of God within you. You have the God of creation within you. You have all the capacities of creativity within you. You have all the opportunities of blessing within you. And these are not just opportunities. This is the person of God. The person of God inside you. That's powerful to me. All of who God is through the Holy Spirit, dwells in your spirit once you're born again. The miracle of the new birth is just, it's a shocker miracle. And I think we, we've kind of just, kinda, well, I got that down, you know, I got saved, answered the altar call. No, God came and lived inside of you. God lives inside of you. And I need to meditate on that truth. I need that to light me up. That's how the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead who dwells inside you, that's how he gives life to your mortal body. When you comprehend it. You know, you can hear it with your uh, ears and, and comp- you know, conceive it with your mind. But when you begin to comprehend it in your soul, you begin to believe it. There is life-giving faculties within you. God's inside of you. God's inside of you. God is inside of you. He's inside of me. Now, let's press pause. And I want to talk about the glory of the Lord for a minute. And these two streams are going to intersect. The glory of the Lord is a tangible reality. The glory of the Lord is tangible. You can touch it and feel it. You can interface with it. When he manifests the attributes of his being, uh, called the glory of the Lord, when he, man- when he emanates that which is within him into a place or on a person, it's tangible. You can feel it. You can perceive it. 
In fact, there is no scriptural precedent for the glory of the Lord being manifest where humans don't give way under it. Every time you see the glory of the Lord manifest in the Bible, people crumble. You don't have the version of the, you know, the glory of the Lord manifesting and people are like, oh, praise the Lord. I felt that. It's the glory. I mean, you just don't have that. Glory is here. Yay. They're like, ah! And they fall out. Or they just start crumbling under it. They, they don't function. Flesh doesn't function when the glory of the Lord is manifest. It doesn't function. The flesh that's trying to worship God and the flesh that's just off. No flesh shall glory in his presence. That's really what that's about. I mean, the power of God's glory slays humanity. And every time you see it in the Bible, when there's a manifestation of the power of the glory of God, flesh is incapacitated. People give way. I want to to touch on a few specifics, and I just want to get them clear in your mind. At the dedication of the tabernacle in the wilderness at the dedication of the priesthood after they dedicated the tabernacle, and at the dedication of the temple, each time at the inauguration where where these uh, facilities and when the priests were inaugurated into their office, at each time the glory of the Lord filled the place with, with such majesty that it caused people to be incapacitated. So flip over to Exodus 40. They've worked for a couple months, weeks, however many it was, is a short period of time, but long work project to get the tabernacle erected. You know, the Lord gives Moses specific detail as to the, all the, you know, fixtures and how it's supposed to be built. And they finally get it done. In Exodus 40, verse 34. It says, then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it. And the glory of the Lord filled. Glory fills places. Glory fills people. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Glory fills. It's tangible. You know, I stared at this verse and I thought, well, Moses couldn't enter. So what was that like? So, he, you know, he's trying to get in, but he can't get in. I mean, did he look at it and go, I can't go in there? We already figured out that Moses is not the kind to back away when the glory of the Lord's hitting something. Exodus 19, he walks up into the midst of the most powerful experience of the glory of the Lord. And then he asks for more. And I, I believe that what this is saying is my opinion, but I believe the reason why he couldn't enter is because he couldn't function. I believe he, he, he went to enter and he went <laughs> splat. And that's why he couldn't enter, because he couldn't walk. He couldn't get it together, because the glory rested so powerfully. 
Now, when the priesthood was dedicated, just, just a matter of days later, the glory of the Lord hit with power again. Flip over to Leviticus 9. Leviticus 8, it's the dedication of the priesthood. There's such powerful symbology in Leviticus 8. I mean, it is our portion to be priests unto the Lord. If we comprehended what it meant to be priest unto the Lord, we would live so differently, so uniquely. I believe the, the, the Leviticus 8 gives us a template for what it means to be a priest. Well, it clearly does, but it, it, it should rivet us in terms of who we are as priests unto God. Even under this, they had the blood of uh, bulls and goats on them. We had the blood of Jesus on us to make us priests, to minister to God's heart. So, Leviticus 8, we get the dedication of the, of the priesthood. And then they've got to stand the test of patience. They have to wait seven days. And then in Leviticus 9, we get the, um, the final consummation of that, where they're, they are dedicated. And uh, verse 23. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting and came out and blessed the people. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. And look at this. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they did a charismatic jig and said, Praise the Lord, God's here. They shouted and fell on their faces. They shouted, they screamed. I mean, they were terrified. Power of the glory of God. I mean, think about that. The fire comes and consumes the sacrifice on the altar. You know the verse that says the fire should not go out day or night? If you, if you study that out, it's talking about the fire of God that actually burned the sacrifice. That fire was to be kept lit the whole time of their sojourn, 40 years in the wilderness. Isn't that powerful? It wasn't human fire. It was the fire that came out from the, the presence of the Lord. That fire was continued to be lit. And so when the priests are set apart, and when they're dedicated, the fire of God, by the glory of God, comes, fills the place, and devours the sacrifice. Now one more, Second Chronicles 5. Just flip over there. I don't usually like to make you jump all over the place, but I think it's just good to read these together. I like getting a vision of this. Verse 13. 2 Chronicles 5. Solomon has built the temple now. He's built the temple. And uh, what they've done is they're taking the tabernacle of David and they're combining it with the Mosaic worship and it's going to be the reality of temple worship. So they're going to have night and day prayer and worship, and uh, the mosaic sacrificial system together in the temple. That's what temple worship was. It was night and day prayer, just like the tabernacle of David, and the sacrificial system of Moses joined in one. And so Second uh, Chronicles 5, here we have the, the musicians. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one, 
to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praise the Lord, praise the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever, that the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Another translation says they could not stand to minister. Again, I believe the glory of the Lord comes down, fills this place, the tangible presence of the, of the, the attributes of God manifest in that place, and the people crumble. They crumble because of God's glory resident in the place. Now, unpause. Just as the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle and filled the temple, and just as the glory of the Lord was manifest at the dedication of the priesthood, so too, even now, you being the temple of the Holy Spirit, I believe you've received in your spirit the same infilling that was resident in those uh, places of worship because now you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Throughout the New Covenant, the Bible makes it clear throughout the New Testament that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, Therefore, glorify God in your body. God gives us the filling of the tabernacle and the filling of the temple as a type and a shadow of the truth of who you are in the new covenant as a believer who is the temple of the Lord. God does not dwell in houses made with human hands. But I have prepared a place for you. He dwells in your spirit. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he gives us those pictures of glory to point us to the truth of this. Just as the glory of the Lord filled those houses of worship, so too now the glory of the Lord is filling your spirit. And I think we have just missed this point. We've just missed it. We've mostly not conceived of it. Or we thought we got it and we tucked it away and we just did not meditate on this truth. The very glory of the Lord, by the Spirit of the Lord that raised Christ from the dead, is inside of you. You, the temple of the Holy Spirit. And further, when God dedicates the priests and the glory of the Lord comes and fire is released, so too, because you are a priest unto God, the glory of the Lord is released into your spirit. And fire is released inside of you as a priest, a kingdom of priests unto God. Is this making sense? I think these truths have gone by the wayside a bit. I think we haven't really looked at them in a strong way. And I I think, I know me, maybe all y'all got it, but me, I got to look at this. I've got to get this. I've got to get 1 Corinthians 6, 17 deep down inside of me. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. And here's the deal. It doesn't just stop there. 
He's, that's, the, that's the miracle of the new birth. That is the miracle of the new birth that I'm discussing. The Holy Spirit comes inside your spirit, raises your spirit from the dead, and the glory of the Lord through the Holy Spirit is resident inside your spirit. It's a powerful miracle. And it's fully established through the New, to, New Testament. Let me just throw some verses so you can take notes if you're taking them. 1 Corinthians 3, 16, 16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God? The Spirit of God dwells in you. 2 Corinthians 6, 16. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. And God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. If we believe this, beloved, I believe it changes the way we think. I believe it changes the way we live. I believe that it changes the way we approach every. Uh, situation in our lives. If we believe that we are carriers of glory by the Holy Spirit living within our spirit, I believe it totally transforms our outlook on a hundred percent of all that we come in contact with in this life. But I think mostly we believe ourselves to be without and clawing for something. And I know that's the, that's where I've gotten. This place where I think I'm just, I'm just, you know, we, we buy into poor in spirit at such a depth that we forget the fact that he's actually filled us with his spirit. He's actually put his spirit in our spirit. And without him, I am nothing. I'm destitute. I am poor. But through the new birth, I've become the temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells inside my spirit. He's raised my spirit from the dead. And joined himself and made me one spirit with him. That is a truth that, I mean, I don't think I've even touched. And I believe the community of believers, we need to understand this truth. That just as glory filled the temple in the Old Testament, so too glory is now filling our temple in the New Testament. That's the point of it. He's pointing to this now. And oh, that we would be a people that conceive of this. Oh, that we'd be a people that live this. That buy into this at the deepest, in the deepest way. We are carriers of glory. We are carriers of glory. Those types and shadows, they point to this great mystery. Colossians 1.27, it says this, that God willed to make known to us the mystery. What are the riches of the glory of this mystery? which is Christ in you. The riches of the glory of the mystery. The riches of the glory of the mystery. God in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I believe that 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 phrase, the hope of glory, that it has several different applications. Yes, it's the hope of eternal glory that we would spend uh, eternity with God. But I believe it's also the hope of glory possessing us completely, body, soul, and spirit. The hope of glory upon us, in us, and through us 
in this age. Christ in you is the hope of glory possessing you. I'll say that again. Christ in you is the hope of glory possessing you. I, you know, I don't want to live the low bar version of Christianity. I just get saved and then I get filled with the Spirit and I speak in tongues a few times and I don't cuss anymore and we don't do R-rated movies and wow, I'm serving God. I want glory coursing through my being. I want glory coursing through me. I want cancers to dissolve when I speak to them because I've got a recognition of this, that the glory of the Lord resides inside of me. He made me a dwelling place of God. I want intimacy. I want intimacy. I have got too high of a pleasure threshold to go and spend my desire of, on, of pleasure upon earthly things that will never satisfy. I've got such an exaggerated pleasure threshold that the only thing that's going to touch me is God. And I want to live in light of this truth that God, the pleasureful God, God who is the one that satisfies me completely, He's inside of me. That's where I want to live. I don't want to live low bar. I don't want to just live as a good boy in this age, God. He didn't, he didn't give us newness of life just to make us good boys and girls. I promise you, that's not the point. He wanted a people who he could manifest his glory within so they would be carriers of his glory under this, that they would, they people, the, the earth would see the, the glory of God upon them. Upon them. He didn't save us just to sort of get us free of our little addiction. I mean, he does do that. Praise God for that. I think about the deadness of my spirit before and I go, what a miracle. All that you've set me free from. But this thing, newness of life, is far more grandiose than now you're a good boy or a good girl. I started looking at these things and I want this. Imagine Elijah, David, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Daniel. Imagine, not one of them had God inside of them, not one. Not even Moses. But you and I have that. The greatest name of the Old Testament did not have what you have. I promise you, when we get there, the Old Testament saints are going to line up before us and go, what was it like to live in the earth with God inside of you? And all oh, that we wouldn't stand before them as paupers and go, oh, uh, I didn't really get that part. I didn't, I didn't quite understand. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, he was in there. I mean, I'm, I'm for real. They're going to stand before us and go, you had the omnipotent one. You had the omniscient one. He was inside you. What was that like? And we're going to go, uh. Or maybe we go, here's what it was like. I fellowshiped with him every day. From the moment I woke up, the moment I went to bed, I had a sense of the residency of God within me. I sensed his nearness all the time. In fact, it got to this place where I began to believe it, that I was one spirit with the Lord, just like Paul said. 
And all of a sudden, my soul became infused with light. My mind became electrified. All of a sudden, my emotions changed. All of a sudden, the way I thought and I felt, all of a sudden, the way I judged, the way I looked at things, it all began to shift because I could tell it was gradually being taken over by the glory of the Lord that was within me. And then when I began to speak, I would speak simple words that others had said. But when I spoke, they had weight on them. I watched them crumble people to the ground. I watched just to say the simplest, God loves you. And it penetrated and pierced people because the glory of the Lord had infiltrated my soul. And I tell you, when our testimony can be that, we actually touch the fullness of God within our soul. Moses will stand before us and go, tell me more. Tell me some stories. And we'll go, "Uh, could you tell us Exodus 19? Just tell us that one. He goes, yeah, but I want to know about when you were meditating and sensing his glory possessing you. He goes, he would come upon me in moments and I would speak to him externally, but I never knew what it was like to feel him within me. And oh, that we would be a people that really touch this stuff, touch this stuff. And how long do we live with stuff available to us that we just don't go into? We just don't receive. We're the guy that took the inheritance check and we set it in the box and put it under our bed. He's given you the Spirit as a guarantee. Think about this. God, the Holy Spirit within, within your spirit, that's the down payment. Huh? Giving me God inside is just the, that's the down payment? Where's this thing going? I guarantee we've not comprehended what the next age looks like. I guarantee it. And we for sure haven't comprehended the the next age after that. When the Father tabernacles with men. This age is a forerunner for the next age when Christ himself rules from his throne in Jerusalem. But that age... Is all about this. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Jesus Christ is going to forerun the following age when the Father comes and dwells among men and we interface without veils with the Father. And the Holy Spirit, God inside of us, is a down payment. It's a percentage. You know, you buy a house... 10% down, 20% down, whatever you put. That's a down payment. The Holy Spirit is a down payment of what's coming. Oh, we've lived foreign from these truths. Surely, surely, the glory of the Lord within us is not less glory than what Moses had in the Old Testament. I'll read 2 Corinthians 3 to you. This is what Paul says. He says, if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? When he says the ministry of the Spirit, he's talking about the Spirit indwelling people. How will it not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious has no glory in this respect because of the glory 
that excels, that which we have, this treasure, this treasure in earthen vessels, the glory that excels. I was thinking about these things. And the truth of it is this. Romans 6, 4, the promise of newness of life, it does not end with simply the comprehension of us being the temple of the Holy Spirit. The newness of life reality takes us to this place. Our whole soul is possessed with glory. And I believe this. I believe that we have had a misunderstanding as it relates to the difference between the spirit and the soul under the new covenant. And mostly it centers around the term heart that we see in the New Testament. And here's what it boils down to. When we read and we see that word heart, we believe the Lord is speaking in the New Testament about the spirit of the man. But I believe if you'll go through and read the verses every time heart appears in the New Testament, you'll find that it can't be speaking about the spirit of the man. It's got to be speaking of the soul of the man. And here's why. Because if the Holy Spirit is in my spirit, he's all of God, isn't that correct? And he's in my spirit. And if my spirit equals my heart, my heart cannot be improved upon. Isn't that right? Because all of God is dwelling in my heart. But if heart equals my soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions, that's the soul. And all of God is dwelling in my spirit, then my soul can totally be improved upon. And that's the picture we actually get in the New Testament. Let me give you Ephesians 3. Let's just flip over there. Ephesians 3, verse 16. One of our favorite prayers. That he, the father of glory, would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Look at verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Why would Paul pray for believers that Christ would dwell in their heart if, the heart equals the spirit. He wouldn't. He's praying for those believers that Christ would dwell in their heart because heart equals their soul. That Christ would dwell in their soul, in their mind, in their will, and their emotions. That Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith And then you collide with this, that you being rooted and grounded in love, when the glory of the Lord through the Holy Spirit hits your soul, all of a sudden the very first thing that illuminates is this, God loves you. He loves you. You get rooted in the deepest part of your soul. You get rooted in love. And you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height. And to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge unto this, that you would be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, if he's talking about the Spirit, why is he praying this? 
Because God, the Holy Spirit, dwelling within your spirit is all the fullness of God. You can't improve upon God living in your spirit. You can't go, okay, God's inside my spirit. Now let's make it a little better. Impossible. He's got to be talking about the soul of the person. That you would be filled with all the fullness of God in your soul. Christ dwelling in your heart, your soul, by faith. And beloved, this is where it heads. That you and I would be a people that comprehend this. God is living in our spirit. Our spirit is raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Unto this, that the indwelling Christ in our spirit would begin to manifest in our soul. That all the way that I think, and all the way that I speak, and that every way that I feel, all the way that I comprehend, it's no longer comprehended through the carnality of my mind and, and, the, and the fallenness of my flesh, but it's all through the glory of the Lord possessing a person. Have you ever walked up to a person and you looked at their face and you went like, whoa, they're like shining, they're radiating, there's beauty. What is that? That's this. The glory of the Lord through the Spirit of God that's within their spirit is beginning to manifest in their body. And the glory of the Lord is beginning to radiate from their countenance. And God wants to take us from the glory of the new birth to the glory of being filled with all the fullness of God. And what we've done is we've left it at the glory of the new birth and we've forgotten about going from glory to glory. And see, this thing when he says, Christ will dwell in your hearts through faith. He goes, I'm praying that you would begin to lock in and you'd believe this thing for real. That Christ would possess you, all of you, in your soul. And see, this is not just the sort of simply believe version. This is this. When you comprehend that he's inside your spirit, you meditate on it. You chew on it. You pray it. You live it. You read it. And all of a sudden, what begins to happen is you really begin to believe it. And when you begin to believe it, the spill, the overflow begins to happen. Your mind begins to get renewed. See, the word of the Lord is beholding the glory of the Lord as in a mirror. And all of a sudden, your mind begins to get transformed. It begins to get renewed by the glory of the Lord. And all of a sudden, your emotions begin to be different. I'm telling you, this thing is not about trying a little harder to not be in the flesh. This thing is about being possessed with the very person of God. You want to not be carnal? Get possessed with Jesus. And what's interesting to me is this. Paul, when he appeals to the believers about the truth of being the temple of the Holy Spirit, when he appeals to them in the New Testament, he always goes this way. He goes, therefore, since you're a temple of the Holy Spirit, glorify God in your body. He uses it as a motivator for people not to dabble with sin. 
Because God's inside of you. You're the temple. Don't go there. Give yourself to this truth. God's inside of you. And I'm beginning to understand this, that one of the greatest uh, roadblocks to sin in my life is to understand that God's inside of me, that I'm a carrier of glory. He's wanting to bring me to this place of being possessed, spirit and soul and body. Now let me ask you this. What does it look like to be a people who not only understand that our spirit has been risen from the dead by the Holy Spirit within us, but what would it look like if we were a community that, yes, we got that point, but then we got this point, that my mind, my will, all my thoughts, all my feelings, are flowing from the glory of the Lord, that I'm actually filled in my soul with all the fullness of God. Now clearly, because this age is simply a down payment of the next, he's giving us filled with all the fullness in this age. But what would it look like? What would it look like if our souls were possessed? I'm talking about every thought, every action, every idea, every word, every consideration. What would that do to the marketplace? Thousands and thousands of believers, and they're possessed with glory. I mean, come on. We've got a trickle right now. We've got a little bit of comprehension of this. But what if we meditated on this until it actually whelmed us, filled us, to the tangible glory of the Lord was resident upon us all the time, manifesting through us everywhere we go. What would that do to the unbelievers we came in contact with? You shake their hand and glory is coming off of your hand. No, really. I'm not trying to make a cool preaching point. I'm saying really. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Think about the little lady secretary meditates on being a temple of the Holy Spirit. It spills over and begins to possess her spirit, soul, and body. She's got a resident, a residency, an emanation of the glory of the Lord upon her. She shakes hands with her boss and he feels something. What was that? I remember this one time I was in Walmart and I was shopping with this pallet. You know those long pallets they have? And I, I don't know if it was static electricity or it was the Lord, but let's just, maybe it was the Lord. But I, I, I was bringing my pallet in for a landing there in the, in, the, in the checkout. And when I did, my pallet hit the next pallet. And when it hit it, it went, and this loud pop hit. And the, the person that was standing on the other side of the pallet, they were touching with their leg. And they felt the shock all the way through the pallet. They said, what was that? I go, that was the power of God. That was God. As far as I knew, it was, I don't know. It might have been the Lord. It might have been me scuffing my feet for the last half an hour. But what if we had real ones? No, I really believe this is where it's going. I really believe this is where it's going. Carriers of glory, comprehending the temple truth of who you are, 
unto this, it possessing every part of who you are. That's where he wants to take us, beloved. That's where he wants to take us. Good amen. Let's just stand. God, I long for revelation. I long for revelation. I really don't care about cool new preaching points. I want transformation. Transformation of my soul. Transformation of us as a people. For real. Abba. You gave us this treasure in earthen vessels. So we, why? So we could say amen to a message? No, you gave us this treasure in earthen vessels so that we would come and collide with it. So it would transform our soul so the very glory of the Lord would possess us as a people. We'd be filled with all the fullness of God. Lord, break in with revelation right now. Break in with light. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. If you've been born again, you're a temple of the Holy Spirit.